5 and 6 is where I want to be this morning. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about Him in all your ways, and He will guide you on the right paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about Him in all your ways, and He will guide you on the right paths. Today I would like to preach a message from my heart that is really such an incredibly simple message, yet it has the ability to have such a profound outcome in our lives. And I have found this passage of Scripture to be true in the past, it's true in the present, and it will continue to prove to be true in the days and years and uh, so forth ahead of us in the future. Let's look to the Lord in prayer before we get into the message this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank You so much for the opportunity to be here. Thank You for the strength that we find in You, for the family and the community that we can have with each other in the body of Christ, because of Christ. Thank You for each one that's here today. And God, I pray that You would work in our hearts this morning, Lord, to teach us this or remind us of the simple truth of, Lord, how we need to just trust in You for everything that comes our way. Lord, we're so thankful for the fact that You are a God that knows everything that is taking place in our lives. There is no chance, there is no accident, there is no luck, there is no coincidence. But that we have a sovereign God who orchestrates the activities of our life. We thank You for that, that You're an awesome God who knows everything. So God, we ask that You would speak to our hearts this morning, Lord. And I pray that if there be one here today that does not know You, that does not have a relationship with You, God, might today be the day of their salvation. And I ask, God, that You would help us to understand what it means to truly trust in You. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but I have been taught these, this passage of Scripture from the time I can, you know, earliest remembrance of going to church. Um, I was that snotty-nosed bus kid that came on the church at three and four years old. And uh, we had a guy who came to our house every Saturday morning. Hey, we're from Woodcrest. We have a bus route that comes in the area. And finally, after six weeks, as I shared before by my testimony is that finally, after six weeks, my mom was like, fine, take them, take them all. You quit knocking on our door every week. And uh, so because of that, God used that ministry to bring our family back to Him. But from those earliest days, I remember this passage of Scripture being taught to us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. I remember from as long as I, you know, as, as young as I can remember. But yet, as we grow through different chapters of our life, we come to realize that we're not always putting this principle into effect in our lives. God brings us each through different chapters, different experiences, different situations in life that teach us things. And sometimes even in our ignorance and sometimes in our uh, error, He teaches us that we need to depend on Him. Well, if the truth be known this morning, everyone in this room loves food. Am I right or am I wrong so far? That's right, two hands and a foot. We love food. And, uh, but here's the thing. You have to consider when it comes to food, a lot of food requires a recipe. And, uh, with, and, you know, and with that recipe, there are certain ingredients that, that make that food taste even better. Um, and, and thank you for a few, several of you that sent us anniversary cards. We went over to Canandaigua, and I got a porterhouse steak. Yeah, it was, it was just that good. And uh, I say often that uh, if you have to put steak sauce on a steak, you ruin it. All right? So a good steak, if you don't got to put steak sauce on it, it's good. Steak sauce would have definitely ruined this steak. 
I'm telling you, it melted in my mouth. I want to know the ingredients. I want to know what made it taste so good. But it was awesome. I'm sitting there going, mmm. And I'm telling you, steak is no problem to get down in my body. I'm just, just saying. And uh, it was so good. I wanted to know the ingredients. But the ingredients in the recipe are important as to the outcome of the dish that you prepare. We all know that. So what are the ingredients that God talks to us about in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? I think they're very clear. Uh, God gives us a recipe, and if followed correctly, God said it would direct our paths. What kind of path are we talking about? Well, in Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, uh, in, in, when we walk with God, He says there's fullness of joy. And I don't know about you, but I, don't know, I not only want fullness of joy, I want God to direct my path. I want Him to make the pathway that He has for me to walk on very clear. In Psalm 37, 23, one of my life verses is that uh, uh, God does not ever put us on a path and not give us the joy of the Lord as we're walking on it. Psalm 37 makes that very clear. Verse 23, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. So God is not going to send us down a path and then not give us the joy of the Lord while walking on that path. But there are some prerequisites here. And I think we see three ingredients to this recipe of God directing our path. And the first one is trusting in God. Secondly is self-abasement. And then number three is surrender. And we'll see how that works out in just a moment. So... I want you to know that I want God to direct my path. But in order for that to happen, there has to be some things that we have to do in our lives. But the first one there is trust. And the word trust here has the idea of confidence. But it's not a self-confidence. There are a lot of people that we know and we come across, they're very confident people. Uh, As Mark Lowry said, I may not be right, but I'm never in doubt. Uh, There are a lot of people who are very confident. But it doesn't make them confident and correct. See, our confidence cannot be in ourselves. In fact, God's Word makes it very clear that in us dwells no good thing. Right? All of our righteousness are as filthy rags, God's Word says. There is nothing good and right in and of ourselves. So our confidence cannot be based on who we are as individuals. Our confidence has to be based on who God is and what His reputation is for thousands of years. God is a God who makes no mistakes. In fact, there are a couple of verses I want us to highlight just for a moment in the book of Psalms and chapter 37, earlier in that chapter, before verse 23. But in Psalm chapter 37 and verse 3, it says this. It says, Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desires. You see, people have the idea that I can just have whatever I want and that's going to make me happy. If I can just have everything in sight that I, that, that I think would bring me joy, then life is going to be better. And God's Word makes it very clear that there's a correlation here in verse 4 at least. It says, take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desires. And I think it's once again, it's the idea of how we merge our life with where God is going. And the whole idea, as we explained a couple weeks ago, the idea behind the word yield is that God is going one way and we are joining in where He is going. And when we are walking in that kind of fellowship with God and going the direction that God is going, and we are blessed and our heart's desire is fulfilled because we are in sync with God. And so verse 4 makes it very clear that there is a correlation here. So take delight in the Lord and He will give you the heart's desire. And then verse 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, 
and He'll act. In other words, it's the idea of my confidence is in God and there is no question that when I'm following Him, He is going to lead me down the right path. That's hard for a lot of us to do. Because we always have the idea that we're right. And we don't like authority, do we? I mean, there's not too many of us that go to work every day and say, well, I'm just glad to please my, my, my authoritative boss today. No. It's within our self-nature to not want to listen to other people. But the very person that God has for us to listen to is Himself. And when we try to do it any other way, there will be struggles. And there will be trials. And there will be more pain. And it can be avoided, I believe. So trust, according to this passage, and obedience walk hand in hand. Trust in putting our confidence in God and in being obedient to Him go hand in hand. Then over in Proverbs chapter 22, he talks about another correlation here that, is, that goes right along with trust. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 19 says this, I have instructed you today, even you, so that your confidence may be in the Lord. Where is our confidence to be as children of God? It is to be in following God. You want confidence? You know, it's one thing as an, as a, if I could use this correlation just for a moment. It's one thing to say as an employee of this company, I have to do whatever my boss tells me to do. But you know what? There is absolute confidence in that. Because if I do what my boss tells me to do and it's done wrong, guess whose fault it is? This. But sometimes there is something within us that says, I have a better way of doing it. I want to do it my way. But you know, here's the thing in our walk with God, it's no different. If we are willing to trust God, place our confidence in Him, and that's why He says, I have instructed you so that you may have confidence. So that when we follow God, even though we may not understand it, even though we may not even agree with it, even though we may not be able to see how this is going to work out, the bottom line is we will have confidence because we're walking in obedience with Him. So there is a correlation between obedience and trust and being instructed in doing what He says and trusting in Him, and then that confidence will come from following the direction that God has for us. That takes all the worry and the stress off me as an individual because I don't have to determine the outcome. All I have to do is be obedient. Trust and receiving instruction go hand in hand. Well, where do we need confidence? Well, I think we need confidence in a lot of areas, and I can sit here all day and talk about areas, but finances and in our health and with our children and with all the day-to-day functions of life, every one of us need instruction. And as you follow God's instruction concerning these things, we will have confidence because our trust is in Him. I don't know about you, but I have a a way of just wanting to do things my own way. Um, I can be pretty selfish at times, and my wife can give testimony to that. And I'm still learning after all these years that I need to trust God more. Consider just for a moment another familiar passage. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 29. I love this passage. The practical application of it for many of us as His children and as believers. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says this, For I know the plan I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. 
plans for your welfare, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I believe that applies to us as we walk with God hand in hand, and as we walk in obedience, receiving His instruction, God is going to direct. I believe that. You know, it's so easy to do our own thing. But it's another story to say, God, I'm going to trust you. Because you understand this, God has not made a mistake yet. Do you know that? God has never made a mistake. I made my share, you've made your share, but God has yet to make one. He's perfect. He's not going to make any mistakes with our lives. And just because I don't understand it, just because I don't see where it's going, doesn't give me the right to say, God, I'm going to do my own thing. Over and over, God's Word makes it clear that He makes no mistakes. Romans 8.29, I'm sorry, verse 8.28, All things work together for good to who? Them that love Him and are called to God and His purpose. Isn't that awesome? That if I'm willing to trust God in that kind of a way, I'm going to trust God enough of my life to say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you that you're not going to make any mistakes with my life and I'm just going to wholeheartedly, fully, devotedly follow you. God says, if you'll trust me that way, I'll not make a mistake with your life. But that brings us to the second point of our text here in Proverbs chapter 3. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then secondly, do not rely on your own understanding. Do not rely on your own understanding. You see, relying on our own understanding of, of, of various circumstances of life can truly get us in understanding or get us in trouble. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Why is that? It's a very simple principle. We can only see so far in front of us. And uh, oftentimes it's almost as though we're driving with our headlights on and we can only see the road so far in front of us and then beyond what our headlights show us, we don't know what's there. We have to come to the place where it doesn't matter what's beyond because God's in control of that too. We walk by what we can see. Think about it. The last time we had an opportunity between two jobs, which one do we take? Well, let's see here. My mind says... This one pays more, has better health benefits, has better you know, retirement plan, has better blah, 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 blah. This one, oh, not so good. Not... If I go by what I think is best, what one am I going to choose? But it could possibly be that God's saying, right, up front, this may look like it's better. But down the road, trust me, this one's more stable. This one's going to be here longer. This one's going to provide for you as well. And that's where you got to say, God, I'm not sure which one to do, but will you make it clear? I can remember very clearly when Don and I got married, we had five opportunities for ministry career-type positions. And uh, we interviewed with different people. Some were teaching in Christian schools. Some were being youth pastorates. Uh, one of them was working on, you know, as a, a director of a boys' home. Uh, we had just five different opportunities. And I'm just like, wow. I've always wanted to do this, but this looks really cool. And this over here, man, this is the... What do you do? And I remember very clearly, Don and I, we just looked at every one of the five places that we interviewed with, and we said this. If you feel that God would have for us to be here, would you pray with us that God would shut every door except this one? You just pray that God would shut every door but this one. We told all five people that. And now, one by one, over the next month or two before school was out, one by one, that one shut. 
Then a couple days later, this one's shut. A couple weeks later, this one's shut. And once you know, right as school ended, there was one door left open. Guess which one I was supposed to walk through? The one that God left open. But if I would have responded immediately, I might have gone a direction that God didn't want me to go. So we are saying, God, you choose for us. Because in my mind, I'm not sure what I should do. I know what my heart would want. I know what my personal desires may be, apart from you, God. But I want you to lead. And once you know the cotton-picking door he left open was being a school teacher, can you imagine me trying to speak English or teach English class? Yeah, I bargained that out the second year. Got rid of that one. But God is so good. He will direct if, our, if we put our trust and confidence and if we don't lean on our own understanding. There's another verse I want to highlight as well in Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23. Verse 23. This is what the Lord says. The wise man must not boast in his wisdom. The strong man must not boast in his strength. And the wealthy man must not boast in his wealth. But one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am Yahweh, showing faithful love, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things. This is the Lord's declaration. We're not to boast if we have wisdom. We're not to boast if we have strength. We're not to boast if we have wealth. The bottom line is all these things are from God. I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Proverbs for for just a moment. In Proverbs chapter 3, it says this. Do not lean on your own understanding. And as we said in the second point, it's a self-abasement. In other words, I'm yielding my will to God's will. My understanding to His understanding. But I want you to follow this progression here just for a moment in Proverbs chapter 2. And uh, there are several verses we're going to look at here just for a moment. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 2 says, Listen closely to wisdom and direct your heart to understanding. So he says wisdom and understanding are going to go hand in hand, and you're to direct your heart to getting understanding. Then look at verse 3. Furthermore, if you call it to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. You want to know a path for your life? You want to know what God has for you? You better get His understanding. And seek for it as, it's, as if it's the most important thing that you could get. Then go down to verse 6. It says, For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. So we want God's understanding, not our own. He says, don't lean on your own understanding. You want God's. Turn the page over to chapter 3, verse 13. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and who acquires what? Understanding. So you want joy in your life? You want to know that as you're walking through the the chapters of your life that God has for you? You want joy? Find it in the understanding of knowing and walking with God. Uh, Chapter 14. Over a few pages there. Chapter 14 and verse 33. Follow the progression here with understanding. He's telling us to get it. He's telling us to find it. He says that if we find it, we're going to have joy. We're going to be happy. In chapter 14, verse 33, he says, Wisdom resides in the heart of the discerning, She's even known among fools. The bottom line is, he says, there is, there is peace there as well. There's understanding there as well. Wisdom there. It, it resides there. In chapter 15 and verse 14, 
A discerning mind seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. So there's discernment involved with this in following God. In chapter 16 and verse 16, it says, Get wisdom, how much better is it than gold? And get understanding, for it is preferable to silver. What's more important, gold or understanding? He says preferable is understanding. You want to know how, what to do with life? You want to know what direction where to go? Get God's understanding. And then in chapter 23, in verse 23, you see the progression here. He says, buy and do not sell. Truth, wisdom, instruction, and understanding. He said, what's most important? You better buy all you can get. Now, you can't buy it. But you understand the principle here. Get understanding. Why do we have so much trouble in life? Why is it that we go through struggle after struggle? Why is it that we go through heartache after heartache in living life? Because we realize over and over and over again, you cannot live life apart from God and expect God's blessing. You cannot walk in blessing and in sin at the same time. And selfishness. So in all these things, he says, do not lie, rely on your own understanding. Get God's. You want to make it through life? Get God's truth. Get His wisdom. And then number three in our text there is not only trust in the Lord, not only do not lean on your own understanding, in other words, bring yourself a base uh, uh, below God, but then number three, surrender and seek. Where do we get this? Verse six. Think about Him in all your ways and He will guide you on the right paths. I think we need to surrender and seek. Think upon Him in all our ways. Question, do we do that? I'm not looking for a raise of hands. I'm not looking for us to say, oh yeah, I didn't do that yesterday or I didn't do it today. But I want you to think in your mind just for a moment. What's the priority of seeking God in all things? What's the priority of seeking God in every decision that we make? Are we walking with God to the point where we say, God, I'm just trusting You. I'm relying on You. It ought to get to that point in our lives as believers. Where we're not trying to Go in our own strength, our own merit, our own wisdom, our own understanding. But where we get to the place where we're truly seeking God in all these things. But the whole idea behind verse 6 and thinking about Him in all your ways is surrender. Are we willing to surrender our rights to Him? Say, well, well, this is America. I can do whatever I want because I'm my own person. Right. It's getting to where you can't even do that in our country. Our rights and our freedoms are being taken away all the time. Some of us are going to get a glimpse, or many of us are going to get a glimpse of what other countries have experienced for years. But here's the deal. You can't take away what you've already surrendered. Think about it. I can't take away what you surrender. See, it's not about somebody taking away my right to do something. I've already given it to God. It's not about someone saying, you can't do that. Because I've already said, God, you can do with my life whatever you want. I'm yours. You can't take away what you've already given. And Christ demonstrated that more than anybody. When He laid down on the cross, someone said, he did not, nobody took His life, He gave it. Remember the song that Hans sung uh, on Easter Sunday morning? No man did take His life, He gave His life. He couldn't, no man could take what He already gave. In Philippians chapter 2, he lived his life as a humble servant, as a slave. Nobody took his life. He already gave it. He demonstrated what this means. 
And what He wants from us is to surrender our lives. See, it's not about where I want to go in life. He says, think about Him in all your ways. When's the last time we said, God, what, what, what do you want me to do with my life? I mean, God forbid that at 60 years old we change careers. God forbid at 35, after we've already got a degree in one area, we would go work in this area. Because God opened the door, because God said to do it. God forbid that some of us say, you know what, I want to be a missionary, and I want to go, and I want to tell the world about Christ at 42. What does God want you to do with your life? He may not call you, but you ought to consider it. He may not be changing your direction, but you ought to consider it. God may not be asking you to do anything, but you ought to at least ask Him, God, is there something you want me to do? Think about Him in the ways that are convenient. Think about the ways, in verse 6, think about Him in all the ways that you think would be good to give Him. Is that what it says? It says, think about Him in all. And you know what that word all means? It means all. Isn't that amazing? means everything. Am I willing to say, God, what do you have for my life? I'm so thankful that God opens and closes doors. Because when you surrender your life to Him, He'll shut the ones that you want to. But isn't it amazing how we're really good at saying things like, boy, you know, we've kicked this door open that we wanted to go through for so long, and we get up next to it, and we back kick it, and we just, I mean, we're getting a shoulder into it, we're doing everything we can to open the door, and then after we get the door open, we're all sweating and bruised, and we, but bless God, we got the door open. Then we say, man, look at this door that God opened for us. No! We're forcing doors open that God doesn't always want us to have opened. If God opens it, Wonderful! But we need to acknowledge Him and say, God, do you want this door open? Or am I trying to open this on my own strength? What is it that God has for us? He says, acknowledge Him in all our ways. That means to surrender my will to His will. And you know, that's actually biblical. Because in 1 Corinthians six nineteen says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. And then he goes on and says something that's really even more cool. It's therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are His, because you've been bought with the blood, right? You, you don't belong to yourself. We, are, we know that, right? We're not our own. But we live life as if we make all the decisions. So he says, think about Him. Surrender your life. Seek Him in all your ways. Um, Turn your Bibles over just a couple pages to Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 3. Commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be achieved. Wait a minute. That almost sounds like a pretty interesting principle there for a moment. Commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be achieved. You know what that sounds like? Yielding. God's going this way, I'm surrendering my will to His, and I'm joining Him. And guess what? God's going to meet the need. God's going to show the way. As long as I'm willing to surrender my will to His, God's got the plan. And it's called surrender. In fact, 
In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, if we need wisdom, he says, just ask. He says, he gives it to all men liberally. Have questions about your life? Ask God. Don't just go and assume. That will lead you down the wrong path. You need to surrender your will to God's will. Need direction? Ask Him. Need wisdom? Ask Him. And He says, I'll bless you with that information. I want to close with one passage. If you would turn your Bible to Matthew 6. New Testament, first book of the Bible. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. This is a familiar passage. We've heard it many, many times. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Have you ever found that out? Each day has its own struggles. So he says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. What are we seeking in life? What are we seeking? Um, I remember, maybe I've shared this before, I don't remember if I have or not, but in uh, Burnham, Pennsylvania, they have what they call Burnham Days every year. It's a small town. Uh, the church that I was ordained in, in Pennsylvania, Bible Baptist Church, Right outside the doors of the church is on a main drag, and uh, every year that Burnham Days. And during Burnham Days, we were there uh, many years ago, and I was walking down the street, just kind of enjoying the festival. There's arts and crafts and all kinds of stuff, you know, pottery and all kinds of different things that are on display. And uh, you know the scripture where John the Baptist says, "I must increase, and he must, or I must decrease, and he must increase." I remember thinking about that and seeing this this young lady wearing a t-shirt, bright red t-shirt with white letters. More me, less you. And I think to myself, whoa, that's pretty bold. More me, less you. But isn't that our culture? It's all about what I can do. What's important to me. All about number one. Woo! I'm number one. And it always cracks me up. And uh, I remember the first time that coach at Northland, Northland uh, where we went to college, he says, don't you, don't you love it when someone says, hey, I'm number one, and they're number one in like a small pond in a small lake. They're a small fish in a small pond, but they're the biggest fish in that small pond. And you think you're number one, but no, you're really not. And uh, thank you, Cheryl, for the bracelet that I've had on for a couple years now. I am second. It's not whether I'm number two, three, four, or five either, because God's always number one. But I'm not. And life's not about me. Trust in the Lord in everything. You know, it's amazing. How many of you have heard, and at this I'll close, how many of you in the last month have heard stories about people who have died just unexpectedly? Their 30s, 40s, 50s. And you say, man, it's way too young. How many of you heard of people who've lost everything through a fire in the last period of time? Some of you got killed in a car accident just unexpectedly. You know, there's a million and one circumstances that today are this way and tomorrow can be completely gone. Do you understand that? Do we, do we get that? 
that life can change in a heartbeat. The norm as you expect it will be completely different tomorrow for a lot of people. And that's why we can't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will bring the worries of its own. (laughs) Today is the opportunity that God is giving us to trust Him in all these areas. Today. Do we trust Him today? And then when we wake up tomorrow, we're going to trust Him that day, all day. God gives us the opportunities to place our faith and trust in Him every day. And when we don't lean on our own understanding, we trust in His. He says, then then you'll be taken care of. But you know where it all starts is a relationship with Him. See, you can't trust in somebody you don't know. Um, Several years ago, I read the story of a team of uh, geologists that were perusing the side of a hill. And as they were looking down the side of that hill, that cliff, they found that there was something down there that they really wanted, but each and every one of the men were too big to go down on the rope that they had. But they noticed over here in the distance a little boy. And they yelled at that little boy to come over here, and they said, for a certain sum of money, could we lower you down, or would you be willing to go down and get that, uh, that object they wanted? He said, I will, but can you give me ten minutes? And uh, they said, sure. So he ran as fast as he could, to get his dad to come back and hold the rope so he could go down. Why do you think he did that? Because he trusted his father. He didn't trust a team of people he didn't know. And neither will you. You can't trust in somebody you don't know. So it starts with knowing Jesus Christ and having a relationship with him. Do you know him? I trust that you do. I say it often. I don't know what God may be doing in your life, but the relationship is as simple as ABC. Acknowledging who we are before Christ. We are sinners. B, believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He did exactly what he said he, he would do. He, he is exactly who he says he claims to be. He's, he is our Father. And C, is confessing our sins and calling on Him to be your Savior. Do you know Him? Do you have a relationship with Him? And in simple step of faith in Him, simple prayer such as, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for me. You are who you say you are. You did exactly what you said you did. And I believe you. And I confess my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I call on you to be my Savior. A simple prayer can start that relationship with you and God. And then beginning each day to trust in Him and Him alone. Let's pray.